MLS is back with the MLS is back tournament, which will be held in Orlando at ESPN's Wide World of Sports Complex at the Walt Disney World Resort. That is a lot of titles. Here's another one. This is Miami Total Football Radio. I'm Eric Krakauer, joined by Franco Panizo at a safe 30 or so mile distance. Franco, how are you doing? Good, brother. MLS is back, and we're back. So that's great news. Um, happy to be back on here. It's been actually longer than I thought it would be since we last had a show when we spoke to Luis Robles, had an interview with him. He was our first guest. Um, and that, crazily enough, that's been already over a month, and it's wild because at that point we thought we would come back on somewhat more frequently. But it looks like we'll be able to do that soon. The tournament has been announced games will be held and it's just the excitement starting to ramp up and i am definitely uh thrilled to be able to start covering games again and being able to to talk to you more (laughs) yeah Uh, apart from that last part everything else is true there's only so many video games that you can play and so much uh foot volley that you can play as well franco even though i know that you have a a winning record against everyone uh, you play against because you post about it obnoxiously <laughs> on social media I actually haven't been beating my, my stepdad in football my stepdad's really good um, he played semi uh, he played pro in Peru he played second division um, almost got promoted to the first division uh, and he's really good probably the best pers- play- probably the best player I've seen in my life um, that uh, that isn't that isn't obviously a, a full-blown professional playing whoa, professionally whoa 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 have you have you forgotten about those uh, thirty five or forty minutes that you played with me? I I feel I feel slighted. My, I feel my very, step very my stepdad slighted. is like three times the player that you are, dude, and my stepdad's like double your age. So um, yeah, I, I, bro, I would take my I would take my stepdad over, even though he like my stepdad has that South American Peruvian like maybe uh, one one trick too many or one move too many because he likes to put on a show sometimes. Uh, and then he, you know, he's the Andre Carillo. Yeah, yeah, he but he he overdoes it excessively sometimes, and and then he gets knocked over or or, or the ball taken from him. But honestly, my stepdad, don't tell my 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 actual father that I said that because he probably won't appreciate that. But my stepdad is very very good. Well, as you were saying that, I broke my uh, MLS fidget spinner. But uh, getting back on topic, after weeks of reports and. Uh, intentions of staging a mini tournament in Orlando. Finally, we have such a tournament in World Cup style, and this coming after some uh, less than pleasant talks between MLS and the Players Union, but things finally at the end when it looked like there could be a lockout, uh, everything finally coming to a uh, reasonable uh, conclusion. But enough about that. Let's start talking about Orlando. Let's get to it. MLS teams will be playing in an official competition after having played two match days of the 2020 regular season. 54 matches, 26 teams, six groups, and eventually a champion. A champion who will be guaranteed a berth in next year's CONCACAF Champions League. So let's get you all caught up with these six groups, three in the Western Conference, three in the Eastern Conference, Miami's group, uh, which is curiously 
uh, made up of all uh, 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 expansion teams, including some old expansion teams like Chicago, who got their expansion in 1998. Uh, Miami's group with six teams, the remaining two groups on in the East with four teams apiece, and in the West, three groups also with four teams apiece. So let's go through all the groups. Group A, Orlando, Miami, Inter-Miami, NYCFC, Philadelphia Union, Chicago Fire, and Nashville. Group B includes Real Salt Salt Lake from the Western Conference, Sporting KC, Colorado, and Minnesota. Group C is once again an Eastern group, Toronto FC, New England Revolution, Montreal Impact, and DC United. Group D is a West group, Western Conference group, with Seattle, Dallas, Vancouver, and San Jose. Group B includes Atlanta, Cincinnati, RBNY, the New York Red Bulls, and the Columbus Crew. And finally, Group F, another Western Conference group, LAFC, LA Galaxy, Houston Dynamo, and Portland. A pretty difficult group. So first observations uh, from you, Franco, about these groups. Yeah, I think they're pretty even uh, uh, on the on the whole I mean I would say Inter Miami's group obviously is the one group that a lot of people are talking about because it's the unbalanced group obviously when you have 26 teams can't really have even amount of teams in these groups and especially you know, in a World Cup style tournament so obviously it's it's that's the the big talking point right how does that group play out because you can win two games but then you know your destiny is not entirely in your own hands because other teams that you are not playing in within your group could outdo you or could have more points just by beating other opponents. So I think that that group A obviously is for us is a big talking point, but I think for a lot of people across across the, the United States and Canada, it's it's also a, a big talking point. But there are some good rivalry matches in other groups. LAFC versus LA Galaxy is one match definitely to watch. Um, New York Red Bulls versus Atlanta United as well. There's some good. There's some really good matchups in there. But I think if we're talking just groups, I think Group A is the most interesting one just because of that wrinkle that not every team will play uh, each other. And speaking of rivalries, there was some hoopla when Orlando City Miami, the opening game of this MLS is back tournament, was handpicked by MLS. People uh, weren't happy about that. A contrived game. In a contrived tourney, I don't think there's much of a problem. It was a, sort of a, a celebration of Florida, given that these are uh, two teams from the state of Florida where their tournament is being held. And I would be remiss if I did not mention that the top two finishers in each group, along with the four best third place teams, will move on to the knockout stage. And in case you forgot, the winner of the whole thing will have a spot reserved in next year's CONCACAF Champions League. So let's talk about Group A. Let's talk about Miami's group because that's what everybody who listens to this podcast really wants to know about and how Miami will measure up to the opposition. So, Franco, as you look at all these teams and you know each one of them inside and out – do you think that Miami can be competitive in Group A? Can they be competitive? They absolutely can can be competitive. Just a matter of if you know how much rust has been accumulated, how quickly they they gain steam, and obviously that first game against Orlando City is is a big one. 
winning that and the road to the uh, round of 16 is much easier. Lose that and the pressure piles up. Diego Alonso, he had a, a conference call this week, a, a video call on Zoom with media. And I asked him about that, about winning that first game. And he, ta- he talked about just exactly that. You know, if you win that first game, not only do you get the points, but you don't have that pressure. You lose that first game or tie, you need to make up the points, and then you're starting to feel pressure, and you have to approach games a little bit differently because you have that necessity to go out and win. So uh, I think, can they be competitive? Absolutely. Obviously, we, you know, the group was announced today. The full schedule for the competition has not been announced, but we do know Inter-Miami's schedule. They will start with Orlando City on July 8th, then they'll play the Philadelphia Union after that, and then they'll finish up with the Chicago Fire. So those three, those are the three opponents. We don't know the dates for the other two games yet, but those are the three opponents that Inter-Miami will face in the group stage of this MLS's back tournament. And you look at all the teams that are in Group A, and only the Chicago Fire, after two weeks of MLS regular season play, are on top of the uh, or in position for a playoff spot. Uh, every other team below them, uh, and Chicago really only one draw and one loss in the first two games. So these are these are teams that at the outset seem to be very balanced, and I think we'll have some pretty good competition in Group A. And of course, that Orlando game—that's the rivalry. Well, that's everybody. That's what everybody wants to be a rivalry in Florida, Orlando, and Atlanta right now are the uh, the natural rivals or have been the natural rivals because there are they are at a, um, a proximity to each other but that will be surpassed by hopefully will be surpassed by the animosity that will grow between inter miami and orlando is there a favorite for you in this group so just really quickly because going you know well i'll jump into it afterwards actually is there a favorite for me in this group i'd say the philadelphia union not only because they were a playoff team a year ago or last season, but because they're the only team in this group that is bringing their head coach back, who's not in the first year under new leadership or trying to f- build a new team. Obviously, Miami and Nashville, they're, they're two teams that are the expansion sides. This is their first seasons in the league. They have head coaches, and they're trying to ad- establish their identities and their style of play. But the other teams, New York City FC, uh, Chicago Fire, and why am I blanking? Oh, and Orlando City. The, all three of them had have gone over with, uh, excuse me, coaching overhauls during the off season, and they're also trying to figure out themselves and their style of plays and their identities with their new head coaches. So the Philadelphia Union for me are the favorites. They're a tough team to play against. They scrap. They fight. They're defensively sound. They have Andre Blake in goal who can win games for them, and. They have this continuity that the other five teams do not have, including Inter Miami. But again, we have to see how much rust has been picked up by each team. Because on paper, you know, we can talk about these games and it's it's fun, but we don't know what who's where until we see the ball rolling, until we see these teams play. But if you ask me right now, if there's a favorite, I would say the Philadelphia Union are the favorite to come out on top. Yeah, I would agree, and I'll go back to a question that we asked Luis Robles about having to start from scratch because you have the first two weeks. We talked about the improvements from the first game to the second game, even though that was loss as well 
to DC United. Luis Robles had alluded to the fact that they're going to have to go uh, back to the drawing board in terms of getting the, the tactics down and, and starting almost from scratch because it's just such a long time uh, without proper practice away from your teammates and certainly away from Diego Alonso. You also mentioned that Diego Alonso said that you have to win that first game. If not, you're essentially playing catch-up and you have to change the way you approach the games. Well, just like a World Cup group, and this is, and you already noted that fact, this is very much like a World Cup-style competition. But you were going to say something. Oh, Because uh, we were talking about, uh, you were talking about Orlando, and you mentioned earlier that there was some hand-wringing about the fact that the openers, Orlando, Miami, and it was kind of hand-picked by the league literally 90 minutes before the draw was supposed to happen. I'm actually on the side of not really being a, a fan or liking that MLS made that move and went about it the way they did. This is a tournament that not only has prize money up for grabs, but this is a tournament that, like you said, has a CONCACAF Champions League berth at stake. And obviously, you try to, you try obviously the groups are not going to be balanced because of the amount of teams in MLS. So that's already... You know, not not an even playing field for every team involved. But then you go ahead and make it even less balanced by handpicking a game or a handpicking an opponent for the opening game. And I get it; it, it it'll help draw attention to the to the tournament. Orlando versus Miami, Florida clubs potential rivalry, budding rivalry, um, and you know that'll help draw some eyeballs to that game. But again, just because of, you know, you want things to be on balance to be as fair as possible. And that necessarily is not just for Inter Miami, it's just across the board. It's just not very fair for the Eastern Conference teams just to see that happen and just have, you know, all right, well, because, you know, what if what if you were a team that wanted to play uh, Orlando City? You, you, you would have liked that matchup. And, you know, now all of a sudden there's one less spot to play them. Again, it's it's... It can be seen as a minor thing, right. and I and I get it. Again, I get having the game. I get wanting to to pump pump up the tournament and, and drive some attention to it. But on the balance, I think it's a bit unfair for MLS, especially to do it ninety minutes before um, to just kind of handpick the draw. The, the, yeah. Well, I'll add another point to to support what you're saying is that not only is one of the purposes of this tournament to get that much coveted Concacaf Champions League spot. But the group games also count towards the regular season. So there is an importance to how you do in the group, not just to qualify and make it to the playoff round, but just the fact that you might win one game, that's three points uh, for the regular season. So I think what you are saying is certainly not baseless uh, at all. And look, this is a, a contrived tournament, and I know that you are in favor of it. You actually think it's a it's a pretty decent idea. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I might actually add that it wouldn't surprise me if in the future MLS goes, you know what, that worked really well. Maybe we should do it again and turn MLS into uh, or format MLS very much like some of the South American countries that have like three stages to the regular season, like an apertura, a clausura plus playoffs. Dude, honestly, so I, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I, fully, I don't think that's too far-fetched. I fully agree with you, dude. Honestly, like I think this tournament, uh, the idea of it is a pretty good like I think it's a pretty good one I think for the league it will 
raise the stakes. Obviously, the the soccer might not be great because of the circumstances that the teams are going through and have been going through. But I think the fact that every game matters and the intensity that that will bring, I think you're going to see a very good spectacle. And I think people are going to really enjoy it. I, I mean, that's that's just me talking from the outside what I think is going to happen in this tournament. I think, And I think MLS will see that an increased interest in that and will maybe try to figure out down the road how do they fit something like this on a maybe biannual basis or how they can figure this out. Obviously, having all your teams you know, locked up in a hotel for a month is not in one city away from their families and, and friends is not uh, a, a, an easy ask. But I think if you can raise the prize money and make it more lucrative, I think this is much better than any of these other competitions like the MLS Oh, Liga Mekis sure. Campeones Cup or these Leagues Cup that that was Completely. invented last year. You know, like I think this this competition, not 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 only just from the from the the sporting aspect, I think from a uh, media aspect and uh, a way to market the league, I think it's it's it can be big time. I think this could just be a starting point for for what this tournament could be. Like today, I know I don't know if you were tied up with being sports work uh earlier today but when they when they had the draw obviously very you could likely. you could t- <laughs> you could tell during the draw that this was very uh put together last minute because you know the 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 production between you know the the way they did the balls and they pulled it out of the out of the bowls it looked like they bought some plastic balls at like amazon on amazon.com or at walmart <laughs> and they, and they took a black sharpie and just put like numbers on the balls and uh, I think that's actually what they did because for the Eastern Conference, when they, they did the Eastern Conference draw first, they had the balls just had numbers on them. Then when they did the Western Conference balls, they had they had the letter W for Western and then the numbers. So they just like added that. I don't know. It was just it was clearly very last minute. But like I said, you know, if they can make this a a thing, more of a thing in the future, then I think that, you know even that could be more of a production, and I think that all can help MLS uh, in its goal to to grow and, and reach more eyeballs. Yeah, for sure. And and not to mention that that CONCACAF birth that they get is taken away from the team with the best points tally uh, that doesn't win uh, the supporter shield and is in the uh, opposite conference. Did I get that right? Did I, that, did I explain that, is, that correctly? That is correct. I know it's a very there, confusing and yeah, tongue-tying better, uh, yeah. rule, but you, you got it nail on the head. Right. Is there a better way to uh, to explain that? Uh, by the way, one advantage that NYCFC will not have is that they won't be playing in their tiny, tiny pitch at, at Yankee Stadium. So no home field advantage for NYCFC. And just to finish uh, the conversation on this particular point before we move on to the the next topic. Look, you know, I mentioned it, and and it's interesting that you and I agree on this because it's not like we talked about this before we started recording. That this could very possibly be a format that would be adopted in in the future. And I agree with you that you know having everybody sequestered in the hotel for uh, a month is not ideal, and they're going to be. Uh, you know, alternatives to that in a post-COVID world, right? We're still dealing with, with with COVID. And this is palatable. This sort of tournament is really palatable to an American audience that likes playoffs, to a TV, uh, to a broadcasting company that can can package it beautifully uh, and, and sponsorships, uh, sponsors that would uh, attach themselves uh, to the product. Uh, last words before we move on 
to uh, our next uh, our next segment. Well, I, you know, just to quickly touch on on the matches for, or on my end, I think the Orlando City game is obviously the most important because it's the first one and it kind of sets the path. I think it's probably the most winnable one. Uh, just on paper, again, we don't know the rust, but just on paper, I think it's the most winnable game. I think the Philadelphia Union are going to be a very tough test. Chicago Fire is another winnable game, in my opinion, for Inter-Miami. So I think if they can win the first game and the last game, that gives them six points. That should get them through to the knockout rounds. And then from there, obviously, it's it's win or go home. And, you know, anything can happen there. But I think if they can win that first game, that's the, that, that's going to be the key, winning that first game. But I think they can win that first game, and I think they can win that, that, that last game. And I think they can take six points from this group and that should that should be enough to advance out of group a we do have testing in place uh we started testing our guys um on saturday and then again on monday we tested again this morning and we'll test every other day um leading up to the time we depart for orlando Franco, Paul McDonough has been doing the rounds, a conference call interview this week, as well as an appearance on Extra Time Radio on MLS. And a couple of topics um, of interest to Inter-Miami supporters. Number one, the expectations for Orlando, so the Orlando performance metrics, as I will put it, and then the desire for the club to sign three new players, um, hopefully, after this tournament you've been very involved in covering this what uh breaking news can you give us or what can you analyze uh when it comes to this topic or these topics so just to 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 touch on the the player signings paul mcdonough today on extra time radio spoke about wanting to sign not two players anymore but three he said that the team has inter miami has cap flexibility to do that now where he said is obviously the dp would probably be in the attacking part of the field he didn't specify a position but you know anyone that's followed the team even before the pandemic knows it's probably going to be a goal scoring striker that they're looking for that that's a, a a glaring spot that they haven't filled on this squad uh then obviously there's a tam Number eight, a center midfielder. That's he's that, that was those were his words. So he's looking to fill that spot. That's where Agustin Almendra was supposed to come in and fill that that void back in February March. But obviously that deal didn't get done, and then the pandemic hit. So that's something they're looking to address. And then he said, Inter Miami now has the number one spot in the MLS allocation order, which is for people that don't know or might be new to MLS. It's a player signing mechanism that ranks teams from one to twenty-six, and you can once you're at the top of the list, you can use it to sign a player that comes that meets certain criteria. Usually, it's an ex-MLS player or, or a national team player coming back to MLS from abroad. And once you use it, you go to the end of the list. So LAFC right now officially is number one on that list, but behind the scenes. It's, it sounds like they have signed Andy Nahar, the Honduran international, by using the number one spot in the allocation order. So LAFC using that, they go back to the bottom of the line. They're now number 26. Inter-Miami now takes the number one spot. And with that number one spot, Paul McDonough said, they can sign somebody in the attack or in a wide position. So those are the three areas that they're looking for in terms of the player signings. And I think, dude, if they if they can... 
If they can make those three signings, I mean, Paul McDonough said he wants to make them before the Orlando tournament, if possible. It's up to MLS and whether they'll give him the green light to do that if they'll open the transfer window. But if if even if they don't, after the tournament, if they give him the the clearance, all right, teams, you can guys can go sign, and Inter Miami can land those three players, and they do it at a at a level that you would expect them to hit. Inter Miami could be a really, really good team, a really, really talented team for the stretch run of the MLS season because, I mean, there's already some good talent on the squad. And then if you can incorporate three more decent to to very good level players, I mean, the team can definitely be in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, for sure, especially with some of the names that have been associated uh, with the club. The list goes on and on and on. And the most... The most... uh, 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 I'm trying to think of the, the, the proper word here, but I can't because it's late. Um, but the, the names that have really gotten everybody excited are names like James Rodriguez, Luis Suarez, Edinson Cavani, uh, so on and on and he, on. He did and shoot there. down. He did shoot down uh, James today. Somebody asked. I think on extra time they asked him like how did, like they were jokingly uh, they were joking with him, but they were like, all right, how does James uh, fit into your plans for the Orlando tournament? They said that with a laugh, and he responded back with a laugh. He doesn't, or he won't, something like that. But essentially, <laughs> say, yeah, essentially yeah. saying it's not, it's not happening. So, and probably because the competition now is fierce to sign James Rodriguez with Manchester United, apparently having made a move for the Colombian phenom. Well, that's good news about the the signings. The signings are what supporters have been waiting for, and you know, I guess I wouldn't be exaggerating if I used the word disappointing or disappointed um, that the fans have been disappointed that there wasn't another big name signed early in the season as as uh, Miami was being linked with uh, numerous players. Well, something else that Paul McDonough said was about the tournament and the expectations, and the mm-hmm. expectation, he said, is very much to win the competition to get into the CONCACAF uh, Champions League but he said that his metric is also seeing just how well the players are absorbing Diego Alonso's ideas. What did you make of that? Yeah, I thought it was interesting because obviously Inter Miami has been a very ambitious club publicly since the onset. And you know, all we heard during these opening few months of, of the year was that they wanted to, to fight for trophies. They wanted to win trophies. They wanted to establish this winning culture. Obviously, they didn't get to do that before the the break for the pause in action they lost both of their games before the the stoppage um and obviously he he knows that this is a chance to win a trophy and get to the CONCACAF Champions League which is a stated goal of Inter Miami's but at the same time it's a tournament Inter Miami's still an expansion team that's coming together players are still re- now they're regaining the chemistry with one another they have to shake off rust. So obviously, the goal is to win it, but he understands that it's a tournament. Anything can happen. And given the circumstances, Inter Miami might fall short of that. So while he'd like to win the tournament, while he'd like to see the team win the tournament, his the, the, the real thing he wants to see, what he, tangible progress, is what he's looking for from the team. He wants to see the guys buying into Diego Alonso's plans. Those were his words. He wants to see that he wants to see the players taking further strides in the style of play which uh interestingly enough i talked to diego alonso about that 
uh, during his conference call, and, and something he said was was pretty interesting to me. Um, but we can get to that. But he just wants to see progress from the squad overall. That's the, he wants to just see a team that plays better, that probably wins at least a game or two, and you know take it from there. See what happens after that. And, and Luis Robles, even in a conference call last week that he had, he said. You know, we've talked long about establishing a winning culture, and we haven't done that yet. So this Orlando tournament, this MLS is back tournament, represents an opportunity to begin to do that. So Inter-Miami does have some pressure to win. Obviously, you know, if they don't win, it's not a complete failure, but they they do need to show progress. They do need to show yeah. that they can win games and they can, you know, they, they can't just say, oh, we, we play hard and we compete. That This team is not... That's not their baseline. Their baseline is to, to fight right, for but, fight for trophies, and they have to start by doing that by by getting wins. Yeah, but you know there there needs to be some realism about this. One of the common refrains that we have heard as European seasons or European leagues have resumed play is how the break affected. Uh, the teams and whether that would in some way destabilize the natural order of things with the the teams that are used to winning perhaps um, not being able to perform at the same level and there being a little bit more parity. And we haven't really seen that. Uh, in the Bundesliga, we haven't seen that. In, in fact, we've seen the opposite with Bayern Munich basically wiping the floor with everybody, Dortmund doing the same except against uh, Bayern Munich. And if we use the same... Uh, if we translate that to MLS and the break that these teams have been on, it is fair to say, I think, that Inter-Miami is nowhere near uh, a contender uh, to win this this uh, MLS's back mini tournament. You have to look at the favorites. You know, you have to look at LAFC. You have to look at Seattle, uh, the current champions. You have to look at, at, at Atlanta. You have to look at Toronto. And then hopefully, I guess if you're a, an Inter-Miami supporter, you hopefully or you hang your hopes on the possibility that leading up to this tournament, Diego Alonso will have had enough time with his players to translate his ideas once again. Because as you and I spoke about, Franco, what he said at the beginning of the season and what his intentions were in terms of the football that was going to be played by Inter-Miami didn't exactly um, translate onto the pitch. And this is something that you've alluded to numerous times and I think correctly. So in order for this to work out for Inter-Miami, they need to be a little bit fortunate that things click. But one of the points that you just made that I think is really important, and you mentioned his name, Luis Robles, and this is something he said when we spoke to him, and that is creating a new culture and if they were able to get far in this tournament or even win it that would go a long way into bypassing what is usually a long road of developing a club culture a winning culture for sure for sure um you know i think you know they obviously they've said they wanted to get to the concacaf champions league that's a good way to get on the bigger map because it's an international tournament even if it's just regional here in CONCACAF. Um, but this is a, a very quick way for them, for them to get there. I actually believe that they had talked about you know, using the Open Cup, as, which is the tournament that hasn't even been held because of the pandemic, as, as a method to potentially get there. So 
obviously it's a goal of theirs to to try to get there and this is an op- a good opportunity for them to do that obviously it's a tough ask but it's an opportunity that they have um to to accomplish that and and just going back to Diego Alonso's tactics I actually just asked him pretty clearly in on the conference call which is the the topic I wanted to talk to you about I asked him in the first game we saw a team that tried to play and build up a little more obviously they were outmatched by a very good LAFC team but Inter Miami tried in the second game against DC United even though Miami scored and played well for large spells it was a much more direct team a lot more long balls not that possession-based keep the ball on the ground type of game that that they had talked about for the weeks leading up to that and I asked them about that contrast and I even mentioned I think it was Luis Morgan if my memory is is correct that said during one of the last interviews before the the MLS stoppage I had asked him about that and he said yeah it was intentional that we went a little more direct against DC United. Tactically, it was it was intentional. So I asked Diego Alonso about that, and Diego Alonso was like, "Well, you know, as a coach and as a team, you need to have you need to be good at all aspects of the game and being able to to dictate and dominate play in either facet." And he talked about being able to press high uh, and 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 effectively from from that from that from that position, as well as being able to. You know, sit back and defend a little bit, and being able to counterattack and create chances that way. He and he said, you know, no one should minimize one or the other; that they shouldn't be looked at as inferior to either one. So that's that's interesting because all we've heard up until, you know, up until the last week is that this team was going to play possession-based soccer. They're going to create chances that way. They're going to score goals that way, and they're going to play a very attractive style. Now it's sounding like. And again, you know, you know, we talked about this, I think, on the very first episode, the Uruguayan style, which is a little more defensive, a little more gritty, a little more fight, tends to counterattack at times. And I think we're going to see both elements now from Inter Miami. I don't think we're just going to solely see a possession-based style. I think the ideas either have changed or have been revealed a little bit more, and that we'll see that once these games in Orlando get going. Yeah, and, and two points. Uh, first of all, you Latinoized... Uh, Luis Morgan, as you as you as you called him, it's uh, Luis Robles, Luis Morgan. I got to I got to I got to I got to work on this. It's the Miami uh, the Miami ways. And number two, um, one thing that you also spoke about is that early in the season, Diego Alonso did see or did say that he had some ideas coming in, but of course those were malleable considering um, that he still had to establish what kind of players he had. He had to evaluate them and try to figure out uh, which systems would work the best for those players, as any good coach would do, especially one with very little time on the practice field. I think the teams and the entrenadores have the obligation to prepare the players for all the scenarios, to be a dominant team in any circumstance, whether eh, a través de, de, de ser directos, del contragolpe, de, de poder ser dominante a través de la posesión y del juego. Creo que una cosa no, no tiene por qué eh, minimizar a la otra. ¿no? El, el poder ser un gran equipo que presione fuerte y alto y poder ser un gran equipo que defienda fuerte y bajo. Away from the playing field, Inter Miami has also been busy. 
with word coming out that there's still a lot going on behind the scenes in so far as a shirt sponsor is concerned. Now, one of the sponsors that was reportedly in the works was Qatar Airways. Uh, it seems that now there's some comp- competition uh, in, in that department. Franco, what have you heard? Yeah, it's a bit weird because Qatar Airways was reported to have struck a deal. There were even images that surfaced online on Twitter and social media of Inter Miami's home and away jerseys with the Qatar Airways logo on them. And this wasn't just like a mock-up draft or anything. They were actual real tangible jerseys with the logo on it. So it's that it's a bit weird. But Paul McDonough, I asked him this week about it. Obviously, fans are curious about it. Fans want to buy the jerseys, but some people are holding off because it's they you know they think it looks a little too plain without a jersey across the middle. So he said the conversations had kind of died down. Uh, obviously, when when the pandemic hit and the the stoppage in in play happened, but now that things are gaining traction towards a return, that there's been more and more dialogue with potential partners, and he, that the team and the club is speaking to partners that weren't even involved or weren't even interested prior to the pandemic. So there seems to be renewed interest and new interest from potential sponsors. And he didn't give a, a percentage of when he thinks it could be done or, or how, how likely it is to happen before the Orlando tournament or anything like that. But it sounds like conversations are ongoing and there appears that there might be a chance that that Jersey sponsor is announced at some point this year. I know people are, are curious about that and and you know obviously people are holding off from buying jerseys some people want to buy jerseys but so again unfortunately there's no concrete answer if will it happen or not but it seems like it's still a possibility so if you were holding off on buying from a jersey you might have to wait a little longer but um you know just know that that might not stay plain for the entirety of 2020 I think I speak for everybody who appreciates jersey designs, that it better be a sponsor that actually has a logo that looks good on a jersey because there's been such discontentment with the jerseys uh, that Inter-Miami are, are playing in this season that if they get a sponsor with a, uh, I'm not going to say ugly logo, but with a logo that isn't exactly the most aesthetically pleasing of logos uh, people are going to be very upset, and Twitter is going to be alight with uh, comments. Franco, well, Publix, Publix, man, that, if Publix can get that can get that deal done, I mean, I, I'm not. This is not me reporting any information or anything. But what would you think about Publix? And then you know, there's some some uh, marketing. No. Uh, like, hey, every hat trick you get a free Green pub sub, pink? free pub sub for every uh, for every hat trick. I mean, dude, a, I mean, I, a free I, pub I like sub. Come on, man. A, I like the idea as a as a marketing scheme, but uh, I, I don't. I think the colors clash unless Publix is willing to change the green to a a a pink. We don't have much time left on, on the show. I think we've already gone a little bit long, so we're gonna have to narrow down the questions that we have received to one. Franco, I'll let you do the honors. Um, please read the question, and we will attempt to answer. I'll apologize to my brother in advance because, you know, he always mentioned a question and we won't get to his this time. But uh, this is from at <laughs> this is at from D Uyoa 23. How is the bubble for media members and owners? Can you guys come and go as you want or once you leave, you can't go back in the bubble? So you're going to be like Bubble Boy. Where's <laughs> that movie? I forget yeah. what movie it is. Yeah, yeah I, guy, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, so yeah. for my understanding is and again, we just got 
the news yesterday with a link to apply for a credential and, and that the whole nine from my understanding is that I guess I mean again and I'm non rights holder media you know there's there's rights holders like ESPN and uh that maybe their their rules are a little bit differently but a bit different but my, like for us that don't have rights and just cover the league uh independently or not independently but just don't have rights to to broadcast MLS the only thing that media can do at this tournament is essentially go to games and watch the games from a you know a special area or a designated area uh, there's no interviews post game there's no uh, or no in person interviews post game everything's going to be done through zoom phone calls so it's a little bit of a uh, interesting case there because all you can really do is go in person to watch the games from the stands you can't really talk to anybody can't interview anybody i don't believe you have to stay in a media hotel because you're obviously not going to be interacting with the players i think you can just kind of come and go i believe i could be wrong uh, again i've just started to to hear about this and just started to to ask questions about it but i believe you can come and go and you but you again you can only watch the games from a designated area in the stands in the select sand stands that there are at the at the complex i don't and again there will be no media to player interaction directly it'll all be done through phone calls zoom calls and and the and the like so that that's the setup from my understanding as of right now yeah and i you know without the opportunity to ask questions to talk to players it really uh diminishes the reasons why media are games like this although being being there maybe you become privy to certain things that you wouldn't uh, otherwise some some coach uh, some Frank coach f bomb Diego Alonso uh hey actually it's funny enough real quickly um in the in the second preseason game against the Tampa Bay Rowdies back in uh when they were playing in St. Pete and it this goes to what you're saying about being there in person Diego Alonso and the Tampa Bay Rowdies head coach had an exchange where you know things got kind of heated on the field and they both started kind of jawing at each other making gestures and it was it was kind of funny because the, the Tampa Bay Rowdies coach was really really worked up and Diego Alonso was kind of like like what's what's your problem and like just kind of mocked him a little bit afterwards they they shook hands and they hugged and uh, I think Diego Alonso even during his this post game availability he's like you know it's just heat of the moment type thing but yeah, that is you know those little pieces that you can see when you're in in the in the in attendance watching a game live but i agree with you obviously the return if you can't really talk to players directly uh kind of hurts you know the 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 possibility of attending or the willingness to attend or you know kind of diminishes that that return so from a work perspective so i'm not sure if i'm if i'm even gonna go i might just stay home and cover the games from home that you'll have I'll have Wi-Fi here. I don't know how much Wi-Fi there is at this at the Disney complex. Um, you'll be able to see replays, and you don't have to worry about you know a game ending at ten thirty, or excuse me at twelve thirty, doing post game till two, and then figuring a way how to get to your hotel in Orlando um, at two two thirty in the morning. So uh, I, I'm not decided yet on if I'll go or not, but I, I might I might say it's a more comfortable way of doing it. Franco, very quickly, any last thoughts any last bits of information that you want to uh end the show with yeah just just quickly just uh i know we didn't talk, touch on it we've touched on a lot there's been a lot to talk about um which is great um but just inter miami's plans uh paul mcdonough talked about it this week 
He said that they're going to stay in Fort Lauderdale as long as possible. You have to be in Orlando in the in the hotel no later than seven days before your first game. Miami's first game will be July 8th against Orlando City. So that means July 1st is when they have to get to Orlando. So they'll stay in Fort Lauderdale for the rest of of the of this month. And then they'll head over and start their preparations there for that tournament opener, which, you know, it's 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 great that it's against Orlando because you get to see that matchup. But it's also a bit disappointing because you don't get to see the fans. And I would have liked to have seen, you know, the first meeting between Miami and Orlando being one where the fans can attend and you get to feel that that's that rivalry and that passion and that the spectacle that would have been seeing the purple jerseys on one side, seeing the pink jerseys on another side. I think that would have been great, obviously. We're not in ideal circumstances. It is what it is, but I think the game. Yeah, well, I think the game will still be. You know, it'll still have have plenty plenty of intrigue. Well, we'll see that if there is any apparent animosity, it will be organically developed through the game and not uh, from from the stands. And maybe that's a good thing. Uh, maybe it will be a bless a blessing in disguise. And by the way, Paul McDonough did say uh, in one of his. Um, interviews that he wanted to keep his players at home with their families uh, as close as possible to the tournament. And with that, we have come to an end of the podcast. And you know that you guys can follow us on social media. Not difficult to find, so I won't spout all the handles. But please leave a review of the podcast on iTunes. Let us know what you think but only if it's something nice. We're actually doing so pretty well. We've be- got we've gotten like 10, 12 reviews on on uh, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Is, is that called, is that, called now? Is that your brother pretending to be people? <laughs> <laughs> my brother has bought twelve iPhones. Actually, my brother hates iPhones, so he's definitely. I don't even think he's left a review because he, he, he doesn't. I don't know if yeah. there's a way to do it if you don't have an iPhone. But um, yeah, so we've actually gotten some reviews and. Uh, I think we're in the five star rating so far. So hopefully, you know, hopefully there's. I don't. Hopefully <laughs> I don't. Hopefully I don't jinx us. But no, you know that's friends and family. You know that's friends and family when you're in the five star region. Okay, and with that, uh, hope to hope you guys enjoyed the pod, and hope you'll be with us next time we record, which will probably be uh, next week. Yeah, man, we should be getting back to this more regularly now that, you know, the tournament approaches and the games get closer. So looking forward to it. I know I say that I say that a lot at the end of these episodes, but, it's, you know, it's kind of been stop and go, stop and go. So uh, let's get back to having games, man. I, I can't wait to just analyze the games with you again. I think that's the most fun I've had on this pod. I think I've heard some feedback. I think that's when people enjoyed listening to the most, just us talking soccer, the actual X's and O's of the game. and. Let's let's get to it, man. Because it's been it's been even though I know you you've been giving me crap about playing Pez and playing football, it's been three long months um, without soccer. So let's uh, let's get back to it. Yeah.